Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, we're talking about the growth of nutrition coaching. All right, Nicole. Yes, Darone. You ready for another episode? Of course. This is episode number 27, by the way. Wow. Which means last week was our six month podcast anniversary. <laughs> well, happy podcast anniversary. I feel like six month anniversaries of things. That's like um, that's like a girl thing. I don't do that. It's like, I don't know. I've dated, some, I've dated some women that do that. And I'm like, it's six months. It's not an anniversary implies a year. At least. At least a year. Well, we're halfway to uh but it we're is halfway good. to fifty-two episodes. Yeah, I mean that's pretty cool. I'll give you that. We got a yeah. long way to go. We got lots to cover. So what a commitment. <laughs> Longest I've ever been in. <laughs> oh, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about the growth of nutrition coaching. Okay. Well, what do you think? What is nutrition coaching anyway? Like from a coaching standpoint. Well, what is coaching? Coaching is the act yeah. of coaching people. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know about you. So the reason why I like this topic is when I first started as a personal trainer, we didn't do nutrition coaching. There was no such thing. I mean, we did like basic guidelines on, you know, how to eat healthier, you know, kind of better choices to. So when I started, I started as I, I have a background I mean, you in bodybuilding. Went to, yeah, but you also I, went to school for nutrition. Yes, but I had a background in bodybuilding and at the gym that I was at, NASM had something that they wanted to use. And I don't think NASM has had anything great or groundbreaking when it comes to nutrition. And for those of you listening, that's National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is a personal training certification organization. They have great certifications. They've got, you know, the NASM, you know, general PT certification. They've got corrective exercise. They've got sports performance, a lot of good science behind them. But I don't think they were really groundbreaking at the time, nor do I think they're groundbreaking now in terms of nutrition coaching and nutrition certifications. They have their whole dot fit thing, which I'm not really impressed with, but they try to roll that out. And we used something where we created meal plans for people early on in my training career. And I think that's what it was. That's where it started. Yeah, started see, as- I, I was, I, from training standpoint, we didn't, we didn't do meal plans. We just gave basic kind of strategic advice, like eat more vegetables, very generalized, get your protein in very kind of overall guidelines. Guidelines is the word I use because that's what we were told to call them. And then as I started getting more into training and I started to realize, obviously nutrition is a huge piece to achieving your goal, then things started to grow. That's just from me, from my standpoint. Well, so the interesting thing is from my standpoint, we started with meal plans, which you know, what's your definition of a meal plan? So I would do like a seven day and it would be, let's say somebody was eating four meals a day and I would put sample meals into those four meals. And then every day for seven days, what I would do is I would put together a bunch of different meal options that mm-hmm. fit the criteria for the macronutrient distribution and the calories. calories. So very early on, I was on calories and macros because I came from that strong bodybuilding background. And that's Mm -hmm. what I was always doing for myself. And Mm -hmm. still to date, you know, I'm a very macro heavy coach. But when you say meal plan, you're saying you would tell someone exactly what they were going to have for breakfast, like two eggs, a piece of toast, you know? Yeah, I would give them suggested meals that that they can choose between. Mm -hmm. And on a day to day basis, they were plus or minus about 100 calories. Mm hmm. And that worked. And then early on in my personal training career was also when I started school for nutrition and dietetics. Mm -hmm. It was interesting because I went to school and then I started learning about the USDA recommendations, which Mm -hmm. trickle down into what the formerly at the time was the the ADA. Yeah. Which was the American Dietetics Association. Mm -hmm. But then you had the ADA and then you had two other ADAs. You have the American Diabetes Association, and then you also have the 
American Dental Association. So I think there was just too many ADAs. So now they're the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And Mm -hmm. what they recommended, which was what came down from, you know, food pyramid, USDA, government Mm -hmm. recommendations, policy and things like that. It was like 50 or 60 percent carbohydrates. And I believe it's pretty much the same. So now me being in school and being young and impressionable and thinking, oh, well, I'm in college now, right? This is my first experience with college. So these are the experts they must know. So I took that back into the gym. I was like, okay, great. Like 50, 60 percent carbohydrates. Right. And it didn't work as well as what I was doing previously. Yeah. And my clients weren't getting the results that they needed to get. Mm-hmm. Now, I do understand some people will argue with me and say, well, as long as you were creating a calorie deficit, that's the only thing that matters. But, you know, I think that there's more beyond just a calorie deficit. And when I change people's meals and gave them more carbohydrates, they seem to be hungrier. It was less protein. The recommendations for protein were way low. Yeah. So they were hungrier. And chances are, yeah, maybe they weren't in that calorie deficit and they were just eating more and eating outside of those recommended meals because mm-hmm. they were hungrier. So, it didn't work from a hunger and satiety standpoint. It didn't work from a carbohydrate lifestyle. standpoint, lifestyle standpoint. Like it just didn't work. Yeah. So, you know, I was a little disappointed and then I just referred it back to what I know. And then and then it kind of morphed into me reading more research and research on protein and research on, uh, you know, different quantities and ketogenic diets and intermittent fasting and all the things that we have today and kind of just forming my way of coaching. I think, well, for me, like I said, I... I come from such that we're so different in where we came from. Cause I came from, from a psychology standpoint in the dance world, we had a lot of people under eating and lots of issues around food. So we never did. When I started getting into nutrition with my clients from a personal training standpoint, one of the things that I avoided was meal plans because they didn't work when I was a dancer, too much restriction never worked. Then I started getting into training and I started working on performance. I actually had a lot of clients that needed to clean up the quality of their food as well as the quantity, but the quality was definitely the primary focus. So I started researching more from a psychology standpoint, like why people choose the foods that they eat, what makes them these um, nutrition plans sustainable and why do they do it and all the whys behind things. So I never really fell into the food plans. They never worked for me they personally, and they certainly never worked for my clients because all of the things that you do during the day, no one in my caseload was going to search out for seven ounces of chicken for a specific meal of the day. I would just give them guidelines and say, this is the amount of protein you need, spread it out throughout the day you want. This is the amount of carbohydrates, spread it out through it. So I come from a very different mindset when it comes to food that way. Now, that doesn't mean that as I've evolved as a trainer and done bikini shows and things we've talked about in the past, that I haven't gone to very strict food plans. I have. And while they serve a purpose for that particular time, they definitely aren't enjoyable. So I'm much more into the macro and calorie aspect of fitting that into things that are much more sustainable. Well, I think they serve a purpose for a particular type of person, right? So now you fast forward years later, I'm not doing meal plans anymore because they're not sustainable. And we get you and I get this all the time. The client that comes in and they're like, just give me a meal plan. Just tell me what to eat. And we're like, no, that's not how this works. The adherence to the program is not going to be you're not going to get 100 percent. I mean, you're never really going to get 100 percent with a brand new your typical gen pop brand new client. Even bodybuilders, I mean, early on, I was coaching competitors and, you know, some of them can't even stick to their game plan. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not even that you can't stick to it. I have had some people that do really like eating the same things over and over. And there's actually a relief in knowing that this is exactly what they're eating and then they just stick to that. And then there are some people that can't. So there's a lot of gray area in that. I think the whole point of this, this episode is as we've evolved in figuring out how people's relationship with food and their lifestyle around food and the type of person they are, their behaviors, all of those factors all bleed into creating and developing a nutrition plan program, whatever word you want to use, that is not only going to help them to reach their goal, but is also going to be something that they can create a lifestyle around and enjoy living at the same time. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I came from a world where it didn't it wasn't about enjoying living and enjoying food. It was about exactly. the stri- striving to be a better bodybuilder. Yeah. Now, 
we didn't necessarily have nutrition certifications right. back then. Mm -hmm. That came later on in the personal training world. This is a question I get often. So I just want to touch up on the difference between a dietitian, nutritionist, and yeah, a absolutely. nutrition coach or a fit foodie. <laughs> is there a name? Is that a name? Might fit as well foodie? add that in there. I don't know. It's oh, like God. an Instagram thing. Well, you can, the, the fourth category will be the Instagram nutritionist. The, the influencer. Coaches, Let's the influencer. call it the influencer. Yeah, okay. So yeah. we've got, we've got the dietitian, yeah. the nutritionist, a nutrition coach, the nutrition coach. <laughs> And the influencer. nutrition influencer. And there's a lot that falls under the influencer category, but we'll get into that. So we've got the dietitian, which is the first name that was basically lobbied for by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, formerly the ADA. And I was just, I had a thought and I was going to say it. And then I was like, I'm going to fuck it up. So <laughs> what's the education? And, and so, so that was the first name that was kind of fought for. And they, you know, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, they say they have to be licensed mm -hmm. uh, with their state. And I believe if you're in, if you're licensed in the state of New York, you're licensed in like 48 states. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there are some states where you might have to like get licenses somewhere else. So you've got that. Now, the education behind a dietitian or a registered dietitian or a licensed dietitian, right? They'll have like LDN, RD after their name, mm -hmm. is a four-year degree and an internship, a one-year internship, a thousand-hour internship doing rotations. So those rotations are going to be clinical rotations, community rotations. You may do a rotation at a school, at a college. They may ask mm -hmm. you to do like a, um, a research study, right? And put together your own study. And nutritionist is becoming that as well in most states. So the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, they lobby for basically ownership of these names. And they say, anybody using these names without a license is, you know, you, you can't be doing that. You need to have a license to use those names. And in you'll see in various states, the word nutritionist, not in every state, but the word nutritionist is now being licensed in that category as well. That's it. I mean, and the dietitian and nutritionist, they're going to grandfather in all of the bachelor's degrees that are already registered dietitians. But coming in, I believe it's 2022, they're going to require a master's degree moving forward. So it's going to be, you know, six years mm -hmm. of college plus an internship. Mm -hmm. Then you take an exam, you get licensed mm -hmm. uh, and you're all set. Now, the thing with dietitians and nutritionists is just like everything else, just like nutrition coaches, there are great ones and there are shitty ones. Just like you go to the doctor and there are great doctors and there are not so great doctors. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing with dietitian, nutritionist and nutrition coach is really about how much time they take to continue to educate themselves because the science is always changing. Mm -hmm. And what their overall philosophy is, because exactly there's a big piece there where everybody's got a different philosophy. Some people love ketogenic diets and some people hate ketogenic diets. I mean, you and I have met dietitians that I can mm -hmm. think of that are like, you shouldn't do intermittent fasting. You shouldn't do a keto diet. You shouldn't eat too much protein, uh, you know, all these things, or you shouldn't take vitamins or supplements. Right. And right. all of these things, it's like you got to look at it from a research perspective. You can't just take what you learned in college and say, cool, like I'm just going to run with this because what I learned from from what I learned in college was that a lot of that stuff really isn't applicable. I would say where dietitians, uh, dietitian nutritionists, where that is needs to be more focused is in a clinical setting exactly. when you're when you're focusing on medical nutrition therapy. So mm -hmm. that's the biggest difference between dietitian nutritionist and nutrition coach is that a dietitian nutritionist has a license and, and an educational background and all of the science under their belt to be able to perform medical nutrition therapy. So what does medical nutrition therapy mean? For example, if you look at renal care in a hospital, mm -hmm. there are very specific recommendations mm -hmm. for protein intake based mm -hmm. on which stage they're in, in their renal failure or renal dis dysfunction. Yeah. Right. So they're going to be higher protein in some phases, lower protein in some phases. You have to watch out for phosphorus intake. So looking at things like uh, sodas, 
right? Dark sodas, right? They're high in phosphorus, any kind of um, uh, plant foods that are high in phosphorus you want to watch out for because an already damaged kidney, that could be even worse. Uh, you want to look out for potassium intake. Uh, there are specific requirements for certain nutrients during certain phases. So this is where you'll definitely want to go with yeah. a dietitian nutritionist. Other places where you go with a dietitian nutritionist is obviously if you want somebody who's going to accept insurance. Now, yeah. keep in mind, I look at it like this. I've had people that come to me after they go to somebody that does accept insurance and I don't accept insurance. And they're like, well, I, I'm kind of like a you get what you pay for kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I know a ton of dietitians and nutritionists that don't accept insurance. They don't want to be bothered with it. They don't want to be bothered with chasing down the insurance company for their money, getting mm -hmm. ripped off by the insurance company. They don't want to be bothered with, uh, you know, getting less than what they feel that they're worth. Yeah. And also the insurance companies don't really cover that many visits. So right. if you're talking about a plan and a coaching plan, now this is where the difference is with the coach, right? Because your coach is going to be able to meet with you on a weekly basis, look at your food journal, see what you're doing, give you, you know, maybe food frequency questionnaires, just like dietitians can do as well. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe give you, uh, you know, just some coaching, obviously, right? So it's, it's a different world. It's a different monster. So, I mean, that's, that I think is my rant on dietitian, <laughs> nutritionist and nutrition coach. What, like, I don't know what else, is there anything else that I didn't cover on that? No, I think behavior modification and change is a big piece to the coaching aspect of things, relationships with food. And to your point, building that trust and rapport with a coach that's going to be able to see you long-term versus maybe a registered dietitian or a nutritionist that, like you said, if insurance only covers eight sessions and it's, it's short-term, there's not a lot of follow-up or long-term care, long-term care. And I don't know, that could be different for everyone. That may be part of the reason why these dietitians and nutritionists don't take insurance to be fair to them, maybe it is because they want to be able to see this through all the way and have that long-term ability to see their clients. Ultimately, the goal for that I usually tell clients when they come to me is if you have if your general population and you're fairly healthy and you're really just trying to clean up your food quality and you're working out and you're looking to create a deficit to lose some weight, I think a nutrition coach is a great tool if you are someone that has, like you mentioned, some of these, you know, more serious issues with your body, you should be going through your doctor anyway to see a dietitian, a nutritionist, et cetera. That is definitely a completely opposite or complete opposite goal. Yeah. Um, so I think now, that's something that draws the line right there. Can you see a dietitian that's going to specialize in weight loss and be potentially of excellent? Course. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there's, it, there are a ton of specialties, right? In when it comes to dietetics and some yeah. people decide to specialize in weight loss and lifestyle and weight loss. Some people decide to specialize in liver or kidney or, mm -hmm. you know, hormone dysfunction. Or well, you talk about uh, like eating disorders and things of that nature. That is a whole nother beast of a topic. Eating disorders. You need to be a qualified dietitian in eating disorders, in eating disorders right? Yeah. Like, I, when, when people come to me and they have eating disorders or somebody tells yeah. me, Hey, I have a client for you that has an eating disorder. I'm like, you yeah, don't no, have, no. A, you don't have a client for me because yeah. I'm not equipped. I'm not skilled in that field. Yeah. Nor do I want to be skilled in that field. I just don't yeah. have interest in that field. It's difficult. And kudos to you. If you want to coach those people trying to get somebody psychologically to be okay with putting a piece of bread in their mouth or food in their mouth. That's, yeah. that's like extreme disordered eating. Yeah. And, and there's a whole lot more going on there. And there's more, fun. there's more minor disorder, eat, disordered eating that is acceptable that I'm like, all right, you don't have an eating disorder per se, but you mm -hmm. do have disordered eating habits. Yeah. I think most people most do. Most people do. Yeah. Right. So that is, that coaching is okay. But the coaching from the standpoint of, you know, eating disorders, like anorexia, bulimia, things like that, yeah, that's, heavy. You, got, you have to go see somebody that is a specialist in that. In that, yeah. Um, I also think when you talk, when you mentioned the like influencers, if you want to like get into that, or if there's anything else you want to cover before we move well, on. Well, I want to get into the coaching aspect first because we talked okay. a lot about the dietitian nutritionist, right? So okay. let, let's talk about coaching because this episode is titled mm -hmm. The Growth of Nutrition Coaching. And I think the influencers kind of fall into somewhat of that category of nutrition coaching. Mm -hmm. So nutrition coaching started essentially, as far as I know, mostly from people were doing it here and there. But then the certification started coming with ISSA, right? Dr. John Berardi mm -hmm. with a bunch of other people. 
they put together the certification from ISSA. And then John Berardi went off on his own and he started Precision Nutrition, which is a great, great certification. It's a great baseline. Like starting point. Yeah. I mean, I have a little bit of my thoughts about that, that I don't think, I guess, I don't really think that it really prepares people because I've seen people get these certifications Mm -hmm. and I did the Precision Nutrition certification in like a day, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it does teach you, it takes more of the habit-based approach, right? He talks mm-hmm. about telling people to eat with chopsticks, which I have never done and I will never do because it's just ridiculous <laughs> to me that people are going to look at me sideways. But um, he tells people to eat, to eat with chopsticks and, you know, focus more on whole foods. And he, you know, he does focus on the science a decent mm-hmm. amount. Uh, his infographics are brilliant. They're awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of like, a lot of these coaches are coming out of that certification and they're not prepared. And you know, what's going to prepare them is probably just more experienced coaching. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of them come into it going, I really love, I eat healthy and I live this way and I'm just going to get the certification and teach everybody to do things the way I do things, which is in my opinion, not coaching. Well, if you're getting John Berardi and you're actually listening to precision nutrition, <laughs> then you're not doing that because you're understanding that everybody's different. If you're Let's listening hope. to the right. <laughs> advice from, from the books, yeah. but that's where to me, the influencer comes in, or mm-hmm. I can call them the non-coach coach, right? <laughs> where they are doing what works for them and trying to make it fit for everybody. Now yeah. I see this commonly in competition prep where a girl will come in, she'll do a bikini show. She'll do a bunch of bikini shows. She'll be coached by somebody else, right? I see this mm-hmm. with bodybuilders too. They'll be coached by somebody else and then they'll decide, cool, I'm a coach now because they were successful and they did well in a few shows Mm -hmm. and won a few trophies. And now they're like, well, I can do this. I can just basically regurgitate everything that I did Mm -hmm. and that I was told to do Mm -hmm. and put that to somebody else. Now, that's very dangerous from a coach's perspective, because what I find is you fuck people up oftentimes. Right. I did a bikini show. And I ate a thousand calories a day leading up to that show. And mm-hmm. now I'm taking Jane, who's a 45 year old, middle aged, average individual just trying to get in shape. And I'm giving her a thousand calories a day. And now she can't lose weight. And now when she starts eating those calories, you know, like she's lost a bunch of weight, maybe, maybe she hasn't. But now she starts to eat a bunch of calories again. And you don't know anything about refeeding reverse dieting. You don't know anything about diet breaks. You don't know Mm -hmm. anything about the science because you haven't read anything. And you Mm -hmm. just think you're going to come into Instagram and you're going to show your booty and you're going to (laughs) get coaching clients. And it's a very dangerous thing. And nutrition coaching, the reason why I want to say the growth of nutrition coaching is because everybody wants to be a nutrition coach. Now, everybody's a coach online. Everybody wants to write your workout program. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants to write you a meal plan. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants you to do what they think is best. And there's a lot of bullshit out there. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. There definitely is. Um, But, you know, I I understand what the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics is trying to do with, hey, you need a foundation of science. And, yeah, you know, I do think you don't necessarily need to go to school to get that foundation of science, but you need to read a ton. And yeah, you, you could at learn, least do. Yeah. And you need to learn how to read research and decipher what's good research and what's Mm -hmm. bad research and what's good information and what's bad information. And you also need a pocket full or a sleeve full of all different strategies that work for all different types of people, because it's Mm -hmm. not one size fits all. And that's where the experience comes in. You also have to work. Like once you get all of the education and then you know how to read the research and decipher the research, you then have to put that to practice. And this is the piece that I feel is where the gap is in between even good dietitians and nutritionists. And then you have coaches and influencers between all four of those types of uh, categories, categories. Thank you. I'm like, well, types of categories. You still have to find someone that actually knows how to apply that in practice with their clients. And that to me is the gap that that can happen in any of the four categories. You can have a great dietitian that has all this great information and then they can't motivate, inspire, support, and create this type of plan for a client to actually follow. And then you can have an influencer, let's be fair, on the other end that may not know all the science and the research, but they're motivating, they they create support and guidance, and 
people buy into them and their trust. And that's where all of these categories can exist because it's not just about knowing what a protein, a carbohydrate, and a fat is. You have to be able to get people to understand it and then apply it to life and create this lifestyle. So there's so much to that. When I first started, it was called lifestyle coaching. It wasn't even nutrition coaching. I started because I liked the psychology of why people do things and how to get them to actually create change. So I came from it in that end. And then the nutrition for me came kind of secondary, where I feel like sometimes it's the other way around. People get the science and then they go to the whys and the how to apply that to teaching their clients. You know, it's interesting because you and I, when we put together these episodes, it's about you know, mm-hmm. I'm like science, science, science. Let's go because that was my foundation. Right. And you're like behavior and let's have a conversation and let's make it relatable. And, mm-hmm. you know, so but it, it's a good fusion because it kind of mixes up the episodes. We'll do more science heavy mm-hmm. episodes and we'll do more behavior and change and relatable content as well. And I think it's important for people to get both. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I find that I think it's go important. Ahead. I think it's important for coaches to learn both. Well, this is what I was just going to say. Part of the reason why you and I have always gotten along so well is I've learned what I needed to piece together from you. And I feel like you've also gotten the reciprocal from me. And that's why where the education, um, not the education, the um, work experience is really important. Part of the reason why I've loved working on teams, big teams of trainers and dietitians and coaches, physical therapists, chiropractors, is that you get this huge pool of information from each person to be able to create and learn as much as you possibly can. You know, it's crazy because when it comes to nutrition, there's so much information out there. Like I've met dietitians that ask me to help them with their macros because they don't understand macros because Mm -hmm. they're not exposed Mm -hmm. to it on a regular basis. So it really depends what area you're working in. So if you're looking for a coach, first, you want to kind of align your goals with what that Mm -hmm. coach does. Mm -hmm. Because for myself as well, I'm not the right fit as a coach for every single person that reaches out to me. And sometimes I have to, I have to know that and not take on every client and be a little bit more selective because Mm -hmm. I might not be the right fit. And I might push somebody in a different direction where I can say, Hey, you know what? I know somebody who would probably be a better fit for you. You know, I will say that in the growth of nutrition coaching, I think, you know, a lot more dietitians are being a lot more present on Instagram. Yeah. It's kind of good and bad, right? There's a lot of great content that these dietitians are producing. And you and I, I think like social media is blowing up in terms of educational Mm -hmm. content. Yeah. Like we have doctors now that are posting on social media and Mm -hmm. engaging with audiences too, which is something I think on the newer side for me to see that and to see such great engaging educational and entertaining content from physicians now too. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the millennials are becoming the uh, physicians mm-hmm. and they're like very tech savvy and they're like, Oh, I'm going to you know, post this stuff. I see the stuff on TikTok. Yeah. I see the stuff all over the place uh, and nutrition nutritionists or dietitians and nutrition coaches. They're doing the same, mm-hmm. but even some of these dietitians. So I, I want to get into that topic. Like even some of these dietitians with some of the crap that they're putting out, a lot of the misrepresentation of Mm -hmm. research or information or like they're just not getting it. And the big one is you and I have talked about this, the intuitive eating thing. Yeah. And the, you know, the dietitian that's eating cookies on every post in their uh, Instagram (laughs) reel or TikTok or whatever it is and saying, oh, you can eat this stuff and, you know, whatever. I, I almost feel like that has like an influencer kind of feel to it. Like, oh, intuitive eating like that. That to me, honestly, that's like the next big fad to me. Well, see, here's the thing. Intuitive eating. So my background with intuitive eating is that intuitive eating was a tool for eating disorder patients. That's how I learned of it. And this is years ago that I've learned this, that for people that really and truly struggle with being able to eat food intuitively coming back into the reasons why they're choosing the foods that they choose. I mean, there's a whole, there's like a 10 strategy step. So it's like a, almost like the 12 step program for like alcoholics. It's the same for intuitive eating, but hold on. What I'm trying to say is I feel like they've taken that 
Yes, and exactly. Morphed it into they've taken that a type and of diet, and, they, and they've tried to make that fit for the general population, exactly. which is what we just talked about with the <laughs> bikini girls or the bodybuilding community trying to write meal plans for the general population. It doesn't work. But you here's what I'll know. tell you: every single person. This is for our listeners. If you see someone on Instagram, this from the from the influencer standpoint, and they're telling you, "I had an eating disorder." issue or I had trouble eating food or feeling comfortable going out to dinner with my friends and not always thinking about food. The reason why they're speaking that way is to relate to the audience so that other people that feel that way can relate to them and then want to learn from them how to battle those psychological barriers. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're educated or have the science they're, behind they're speaking and coaching from their experiences. Exactly. And there's and a big difference between speaking from your is, experience listen, to some extent. We all speak and coach to our experiences or from our experiences, but it's very small. It's tiny. If you can see my hands right now, I'm holding them up <laughs> and I'm showing something small and it's tiny. Right. So I, when you're all in on your coaching based on your experiences, that's where it's kind of dangerous territory and you're misrepresenting intuitive eat like that's what i mean by misrepresentation like mm -hmm. you're misrepresenting intuitive eating and what it is and who it's for yeah that's my opinion on that now mm -hmm. you know call it what it is we've got a ton of people coaching talking about a lot of things and what i will say is one thing that i try not to do is speak in definitive language exactly so this is these are things to kind of watch out for with this whole growth and this boom of everybody wants mm -hmm. to be a nutrition coach. Yeah. Definitively speaking about, let's say, a ketogenic diet, for example, the ketogenic diet is the best way. Right. Saying something is the best thing or to the do, only way or the only way or, you know, I'll give a perfect example. The ketogenic diet increases mitochondrial function and increases the number of mitochondria that you have. And people will talk as if that is the only way to achieve that when we know that calorie deficits achieve that. And we also know that exercise in general, cardio, resistance mm -hmm. training, right? The demand for creating more energy more efficiently is what is giving you that increase in mitochondria and mitochondrial function, right? You can get there in various different ways, right? Intermittent fasting. Well, you want to intermittent fast if you want to. I saw something the other day, like Lane Norton was talking shit about this. You know how he talks shit about everybody, but calls him out. Yeah. Yeah. He was calling somebody out and he was talking about uh, intermittent fasting. And the guy was like, intermittent fasting is the best way to build muscle. And he was talking about how much protein you should eat and not absorbing protein. And when, when you're whatever, but first of all, he was wrong with his facts. Second of all, he was talking in definitives. Like it was definitively speaking, like this is the best way to do it. This, and it's not true. So we need to watch out for people who speak yeah. in that type of language with absolute certainty that this is the best way to do things. And not focusing on the, the individuality of whoever the client is or who's in front of you. And I think that's, that's kind of the danger. Or just, not, or just, or just misrepresentative or just right. misrepresenting the research the information. Yeah. The research, right? The research, yeah. Because I can look at lots of studies that have the same results in various different fashions. Well, we tend to re well, you know, when you look at research, you want to look for the answer that you want. Yeah. That you think is correct. Am I saying that right? You know what I mean? Like you look you're for the Yeah, you're biased. And you look and you go, there it is. That that's what it says. And you don't look at the entire content. You're just looking at the one piece that that matches how you feel. And, you, and and then also what happens on Instagram is they pull that out, that single piece of information, and they cut and paste it in a post with no other facts. Or they'll just read, or they'll, they'll just read an abstract and they'll read yeah. the title, right? I've had situations with research in other areas, not necessarily nutrition, but I've had situations where people would argue research with me and I would be like, hey, here's a, like they'd argue a point with me and then I'd be like, here's a study that says otherwise. And then- They'll mm -hmm. look at the title or they'll just read the abstract and they'll pick one sentence that proves their point. Exactly. And I'm like, and I'm like, I just sent you 50 pages <laughs> and you pulled one sentence out of an abstract and you sent it back to prove your point. So if you're not going to read the entire article, then you're not open minded. And I don't want to have this discussion with you. I'm fine with being wrong and I'm fine with mm -hmm. having educated discussions with people. But 
if they're not going to be educated and analytical about it, you know, my brain, like I'm analytical about it, I'm going to look for it and I'm going to look for things that support your point. And I'm going to look th for things that potentially don't support your point or support my point. And I'm going to gather all the information and I'm going to make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things is that uh, the job of a coach is to make an informed decision for somebody who isn't capable of reading the research and interpreting the information and knowing what's best for you. And it sucks when you have these people online that aren't making informed decisions for themselves and they're not really reading heavy into what they need to be doing. They're just not educating themselves on the trade. So if you're not going to educate yourself on the trade, then get out of the field. Don't bother. Yeah. And then you put it into practice. Like this is where I come in. Research is great. You and I talk about it all the time, but then there's also the practical side. Like, have you actually ever tried, like authentically tried to do the ketogenic diet or whatever, or do fasted cardio or I don't know, whatever like fad intuitively eat. Like, I mean, I can well, intuitively cardio, eat myself right into a bag of Snickers. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so fa fasted, fasted cardio is something that also when I was a competitive bodybuilder and I was looking at fasted cardio versus not doing fasted cardio, like you don't burn more calories by doing no. fasted cardio. And, and I felt like crap. Like this is my every, point. But here's, here's the thing. Everybody around me jumped on the bandwagon yeah. of fasted cardio. And I'm like, I'm eating breakfast and then I'm doing cardio. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Every female, forget about competitors, just females in general, ask me about that all the time. Should I eat breakfast or shouldn't I? I'm like, well, I don't know. Have you tried it both ways? Which do you feel better? Do you want to well, eat breakfast? Yeah. Right? Do you feel like you want to eat breakfast? There's a little piece of that intuit, intuitive, I wouldn't even call that intuitive eating, but, but listening to your own body and figuring out which actually feels better. I mean, it, it's one's not better than the other, but maybe you're the type of person that gets up and actually doesn't need to eat anything right away. Maybe you want to wait till you finish your cardio. I think that becomes, this is my other piece that I wanted to bring up. Everything gets so blown out of proportion. Like we take simple facts and make it this huge obstacle to create change when it comes to nutrition instead of just make, sticking to the basics yeah. that and we, we just we make, can't. We make them, we make people think like, I have to do it this way. Exactly. I, like the, like the thought of the, I, you know, I, I shouldn't. And well, I did an Instagram post on this a long time ago. The I shouldn't eat after eight o'clock. And I'm like, why? If you're hungry and you're in a calorie deficit and you're trying to lose body fat, like you're still burning calories while you're sleeping. Oh, my metabolism slows down. Yeah. By like a, a little bit. None of these things are make it or break it. You have to stick with the basics and it has to be consistent. Nutrition coaching as a whole or evolution of how we coach clients through nutrition there's some really amazing things that have happened in terms of the education and being more on these platforms that have a louder, more bold approach. And then with that comes a lot of crap that kind of slides through uh, and makes it even more confusing, I think, for people to decipher what they should and shouldn't do. I think one of the greatest things that came out of nutrition coaching certifications was habit-based coaching. Yes, right? absolutely. So coaching people one step at a time, one habit at a time, you don't go slow from zero progression. To You're not giving people a meal plan that they can't comply with. You're focused on, hey, where are you getting added sugars from? Are you consuming adequate vegetables? Rate this on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the easiest to comply with. Is that something you could do? Then focus on drinking more water, then focus on eating more protein and focus on the things that are easier for you and front load those. Right. And then as you kind of progress, things become a little bit more advanced and things, other things you're like, okay, cool. I'm ready to tackle that now. So the habit-based coaching was something great that came out of nutrition coaching because it works and it fits for people and you're doing habits based on what their wants are and what their needs are. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the other type of quote unquote coach, I don't even know if I'd call them a coach, is the supplement pusher, which is that those are the people that oftentimes I find yeah. they try to steal my clients. They'll yeah. reach out to a client of mine and they'll be like, and my client will be like, I'm working with somebody and I'm happy. And they'll be like, but I can get you there faster with my Advocare supplements or my isogenic supplements and you drink two shakes a day and you eat a protein bar and I can get, I can get you there with uh, what's the third one that I'm thinking of Herbalife, right? You've got those people yeah. and now they're coaching people too. And I'm like, yep. With you guys zero are just, background. In you guys age. are just, you guys are just product pushers and yeah. you just hear this, you know, propaganda about like a pyramid how, how great your crappy 
supplements are like they're not su- they're not supplement companies they're multi-level marketing companies their yeah. products are crap those people don't know anything about getting you results and i those are the people that piss me off out of anybody else they <laughs> piss me off the most well haven't I'm- you ever like I, I just recently did um a virtual in kitchen like uh purge like so i did a session with a client and we virtually she went through all her cabinets like a and pantry we- purge pantry purge yeah thank you and one of the things that she did, she wouldn't show me one of the cabinets. She was like, oh, we'll get to that one later. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, well, why? What's in it? And it was literally, I can't tell you how many boxes it was. Um, I forget the, it was like packaged food, prepackaged food type company. And I'm blanking on the name right now. But, and then she had like. Atkins. No, it was something else. I can't remember. It'll come to me in a minute. Hang on. Um, Nutrisystem. Something like, like a Nutrisystem, but a different name. Of something else, but they, they were like a whole box of the supplements. It was like a detox and a flat tummy tea for nighttime. Calm, well, that's calm, the other like thing. All this stuff. Like, Somebody's trying to sell you a detox. <laughs> R- run. <laughs> well, the, the whole point was she was so ashamed to open the cabinet. She's like, I fell for this. I know that you don't like these things. And this is the, this is the worst part about something like that. So I have this woman who's feeling guilt and shame now with me, a brand new coach, we just met and we were just going through, I was showing her how to read food labels and try and go through some of the things that she thinks what she considers good food versus bad food. And we kind of nix all those things and go through the things that she truly loves to eat, the reasons why she loves to eat them, you know, what, when she eats them, how does she feel like really going behind more of her why, but she's feeling guilt and shame that she fell for these type of, you know, companies. She's like, Nicole, if I told you how much money was in that cabinet right now, she's like, you wouldn't want to work with me. And so we talked about that. I'm like, it's not, not at all. Of course I want to work with you. This is part of the reason why we go through these cycles in life. It's completely normal to think these short-term fixes or goals, or you have that like weak moment when you don't feel like you can get things together. And it happens all the time. People do it all the time. So talking her down off the ledge and getting her to realize, and she knew that it's time for like real food and honest exercise and really taking care of herself and, you know, slowing her schedule down. Like there's so much more to it than just the nutrition piece. I mean, obviously this is what I love to do with clients, but I agree with you. When I got off the phone, I was so mad. I was like, this poor woman like spent so much money on boxed food. It is such crap. Yeah. It's not even real food. Listen, nutrition coaching has grown. It's become something that people want, just like personal training. Personal training has become very popular. Like when I started, yeah, it's true. There were just there were just like five of us in a gym. Now there's yeah, like thirty there seven plus, in my gym. Thirty plus trainers in every gym. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it became a cool thing to With do. With all different specialties, right? And I and I, you know, I that's where I start to be turned off by things where it's like it becomes cool. Like I did bodybuilding and nobody wanted to be a bodybuilder. Everybody thought I was weird. And then all of a sudden it's cool <laughs> to be it's cool to compete, right? And we've got different divisions now. And I'm like, ah, you know, this kind of sucks. You know, personal training, it's we've got it's a ton second of career for everybody got, that now. Yeah, people 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 want to people want to leave what they're doing and they want to go to personal training and I'm like no don't do it run <laughs> right but uh and then you know nutrition but the thing is with nutrition is nutrition will always be my number one nutrition is like my soulmate and it's like <laughs> my second love after bodybuilding bodybuilding was the first love that broke my heart and then nutrition came along and we just make, we just got married. <laughs> You know, there's some good and bad that comes with the growth of nutrition coaching. It's not right. all negative. You know, no. I'll, I'll sit here and talk shit about crappy coaches all day, but there are some great coaches that come out of it. Mm-hmm. There are more people that are interested in learning about it. Some people just do certifications just so that they can learn for themselves, which is yeah. great too. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad that at the very least now we've got the habit-based approach. Mm-hmm. We've got different certifications that are a good starting point to lay out a foundation. I think learning how to read research is a, is a great thing to do. Learning about human behavior mm-hmm. and what really drives people and what motivates people and how to find somebody's why and how to really coach, be a coach. That's super important as well. Uh, some things to look out for, some red flags in terms of the coaching so that you know when you're trying to, well, first of all, when you're trying to navigate the nutrition coaching world and you're trying to find a coach, you obviously go to eat right nutrition first and foremost. <laughs> of course. But outside of that, if somebody is 
just coaching in, let's say keto or intermittent fasting or something that sounds like it's based on their experience. And they're just talking about their experiences all the time. And I had this problem too. It's let me know, drop a comment in the box. If you had this problem or if you have this problem, like I had this problem, let me teach you how I overcame it with my 10 step method, right? (laughs) Those things to me are kind of gimmicky that those are things to watch out for any kind of zealot that like just is like, I just coach keto or intermittent fasting. You want somebody who is kind of a flexible coach that's open minded. Mm-hmm. Like I've done keto with people. I'm open to doing intermittent fasting with people. I've read a ton on intermittent fasting. I'm very familiar with intermittent fasting. I don't recommend it for many people. If somebody comes to me and they're on intermittent fasting, I'm going to say, OK, well, if you want to continue this, I can help you to optimize it potentially. But there might be a point that I might tell you, hey, like this might not be optimal for you. Now, if you can make it optimal for you and you're happy eating that way, then by all means do so. But I also do know that the research shows that protein feeding times increases muscle protein synthesis. And when you're in that kind of, let's call it not entirely clear, right? Again, I'm not talking in definitives. I won't Mm -hmm. because we're not always entirely clear about things. So coaches talking about definitives is not a good thing. Um, But what we see is that, you know, we think that three to five meals of protein feeding times, if you're trying to build lean mass, which also is in the category of trying to uh, lose fat, Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be a good place to be in terms of increasing muscle protein synthesis. So I enjoy more meal frequency, like three to five meals, anything mm-hmm. beyond that. I mean, if you want to eat more than that, then you can, but you don't need to eat more frequently like that than that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to get an added benefit from that. We had that with our discussion with Bill Campbell, mm-hmm. you know, be careful about the coach that you're hiring. And, you know, if they if they speak about definitively, this is the best way to do. And that's the only thing that they coach. You want somebody who's flexible and who is kind of well-versed and well-rounded and is familiar with yeah. different things, right? I had a, a personal training client that hired me just because I was versed in nutrition and I was very familiar with the ketogenic diet. And he came to me on the ketogenic diet. Now I never pushed him to come off the ketogenic diet. I just coached him. I said, okay, like, you know, do what you got to do. If it's working for you, great. If it's not, then, you know, make a pivot. And he decided on his own. Now I don't coach his nutrition. I was just training him, but you know, he decided on his own, like, Hey, you know, this might not be sustainable for me long-term. That wasn't a conversation. I didn't try and push him towards anything. I just said, okay, you know, if you're going to do what you're going to do, make sure that you're doing it in an optimal way. Yeah, absolutely. And rant. (laughs) It was a good rant. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, The growth of nutrition coaching. It's uh, it's a growing field. Yeah, it is. And everything is, has a blessing and a curse. Like there's good stuff and bad stuff to every aspect of it. But I think the plus side is this, is that there's more exposure. Well, that's what I was just going to say. But now that people know more for the consumer. So consumers are more exposed to Mm -hmm. nutrition now Mm -hmm. and consumers now are becoming hungrier. Yeah. For the information. Uh, No pun intended. Uh Becoming hungrier (laughs) for more information. And if you go to the right places, you'll find good information. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good for us because. You know, more, if more people are interested and we reach more people and they come to us and they they genuinely want to learn, it's 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 better from a coaching standpoint, right? That people yeah, are more and the interested. ultimate goal is the more interested they are, the less they need us. And I wanted to also say that too. If you are someone that is coaching with a coach and you need them all the time, like you can't you can't walk away from coaching with them because they have to hold you accountable, hold your feet to the fire, make you do things, give you a food plan, the next food plan, like constantly hanging you by a thread to keep you going. I mean, I think for me, one of the most successful things I can say is that some of my clients don't need me anymore. They've, they get it. They now learned something from me. And so I can go on and help someone else. And I don't, want your business consistently. I want you to become a raving fan of me and then refer me to all of your friends who also are like-minded just like you and want more information. I had a client the other day that I said, Hey, listen, 2021, at some point in 2021, I, we're going to break up because, (laughs) because you're doing so well, (laughs) well, because I don't want you to rely on me. You've got to learn this. You've got to be able to stand on your own two feet. Right. And, and then those same clients, like I've had clients that I, I finish like a goal with them, a weight loss goal or a performance goal, like 
whatever it may be, a post, you know, they, they're postpartum and they want to just get their body back after having their first baby. And then they are pregnant with their second baby and they come back and they're like, okay, this is what I did last time that worked, but this baby is different and I'm feeling different and I, I could use your help. Now, once I have this baby, I'll come back to you. You end up having them during different times in their lives or, you know, new goals that they want to achieve or like all kinds of stuff. Or some of my clients have even fell ill and, you know, needed some guidance. How do I get out of this? Whatever the case may be. That to me also, I, I truly love the fact that and appreciate that clients come back knowing that they know that I can help them through and give them what they need to be successful. And, you know, I will say this too, from a female standpoint, no matter where I go and whatever group of women that I'm talking to, whether it be my own personal friends or other trainers, we constantly talk about what works. Like, just silly things like where do you get your haircut? Who colors your hair? What, you know, where did you get those sneakers? What store do you buy this? What's your reliable, trustable resource for ABC and D, whatever it is. A lot of women do that when it comes to if their physique changed and the woman says, Hey, you look great. What have you been doing? I feel like that type of conversation is really empowering too. And I have my clients, I'll have them call a potential client of mine and let them talk and kind of hash out like, What's Nicole like? Things that they can ask that maybe the new client would not be comfortable talking to me about, but they can talk to one of my clients and make sure that it is a good fit. Well, she does this and, you know, <laughs> she's kind of crazy. No, just kidding. Um, whatever it may be so that there's an actual connection. And I think I found that to be really helpful because if it isn't a good fit, I know right away and I can either direct that potential new client to someone else well, we can get started and then they feel super comfortable with knowing that there's some sort of tangible connection to, you know, what we're diving in to achieve. And they feel really comfortable getting started and diving in. Aside from the research side, talk to the people that this coach has been coaching because the, that client will be honest with you. That's uh, nutrition coaching and the growth of nutrition coaching in a nutshell. Some things that you want to look out for with coaches and choosing a coach and their knowledge base. And if you guys have any questions about this, obviously shoot us a DM on Instagram at Eat Right Nutrition, E A T R I T E Nutrition. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, and you'll hear us next week.